0: Election College episode 115. Thomas Jefferson, Vice President.
1: Let's throw a political party. Face it, the
0: political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, Your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Jason, in the last episode, we talked about Thomas Jefferson and all of his accolades and everything leading up to the vice presidency. And then we talked about how he ran for president. And of course, John Adams beats him and he becomes the vice president, which isn't really a bad spot to be. Yeah.
1: So, everybody exhale, because you've been holding your breath for two days. Right. And take another (sighs) breath. It's time to talk about Vice President TJ. (laughs) Can you imagine what it would have been like to win the vice presidency when your arch rival won the presidency? It's like, not only did you not win, but you've got probably the most useless job in Washington at at the time.
0: And the the worst part is that John Adams, basically your new boss. I mean, I know it wasn't really like that, but play along with me here. Knows it's the least engaging job in the world <laughs> right? because he just had it. Like, it's like you just, <laughs> it's like your manager is a slacker, but he gets a promotion and you get his job and he knows you're going to be a slacker.
1: It's just like the worst possible scenario in the world. Yeah. It's, it's just nuts. Um, both guys, you know, they admire Washington, and it's sad that Washington's gone, and you got this peaceful transfer of power from when he wasn't going to say he was a Federalist, but Washington basically was a Federalist. Yeah. You got that transfer. It was really cool, Ben. Just last week, I was in the very room where Adams got sworn in. In Philadelphia, and they were talking just a little bit about Jefferson sitting in the room, just kind of being like, Oh, there he is. Yeah. Congrats, Adams.
0: I'm really kind of jealous that you were there. I mean, I've been there before, but not last week, and that makes me angry at you. Oh, yeah. Don't be bitter. It's okay. We were in the same place in Gettysburg later in the week, but anyway, I'll go there soon.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, so during this whole time, you know, there's a little passive aggressiveness going on. Because why not? If you're a founding father and you don't agree with somebody who's also a founding father, the best thing you can do is be passive aggressive.
0: (laughs) And Jefferson is so passive aggressive about it that he speaks with the, uh, the French consul and says, you know what? I don't think this guy is going to make it any more than one term. Um, France, why don't you go ahead and invade England? We will back you up, I promise. Uh, If any kind of American envoys get sent over to Paris, just just listen to them, drag out the negotiations at length, and kind of just pretend
1: like everything's kosher. And you'll be fine. Sure. And hey, by the way, I'm going to... Write some essays, and I'm gonna have this pen name, and my pen name's gonna be Brutus, right? And Brutus is actually James Madison, <laughs> by the way. Yeah,
0: why? No not? big deal. No big deal. It's fine.
1: You could have picked a better name than Brutus, or could you have picked a better name than Brutus?
0: Well, I think Brutus was a pretty profound name, A2. judging history with you know Julius Caesar, all that good stuff. But perhaps we digress.
1: Yeah, so there's four years of a lot of, well, disharmony. It it wasn't a happy time for TJ. But 1800 rolls around, and you know what it's time for. It's time for a huge election where Jefferson is going to just walk all over Adams, and it's going to go really well. So you ready to talk about 1800? I think that would be appropriate. Yeah, so Jefferson's like, hey, I didn't do it four years ago, but this time I am going to win over John Adams. And Adams, well, he wasn't very popular at this time because not only is his rotundity uh, raising taxes and they've got some infighting going on because of the whole quasi-war. You remember that with the Uh French? Yep. So if you don't know what the quasi war is, it all has to do with the Navy and us kind of being at war with France, but we have a podcast about that. You can go yeah. back and listen to it.
0: So, Hey, a fun side story here, mm-hmm. um, at my, uh, day job slash night job slash whatever uh, consumes my life job. Uh, I was having a conversation with someone and they brought up a relationship between the United States and France and he seemed very into history at the moment, and we started talking, and I got like into the whole history between things, and the treaties that had been set, and then the breaking of the treaties, and the Quasi-War. And about the time I got to the Quasi-War, his eyes just kind of glazed over, and I could tell he didn't care anymore, and I thought, that's enough for now. But it really made me excited that at first I thought he wanted to converse,
1: and no, I was wrong. So you, the Election College listener, probably know a lot about the Quasi-War, <laughs> because you listen to this podcast and you're awesome, just remember you might want to warn somebody. Yeah, yeah. Just, just say, do you know what the quasi war is? Fortunately, he was an
0: employee of mine, so he couldn't really say shut up. But if he wanted to, he could have.
1: Yeah, and he could have gone passive aggressive on you. Like that's true. Yeah, perhaps a <laughs> member of the opposition party who's a founding father. So anyway. <laughs> Anyway, so you've got all of the wonderful things going on between the Federalists, who John Adams is the incumbent, and you have the Democratic Republicans, who, of course, are going to get along as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Every time. So, (laughs) Aaron Burr, why do you make me say this?
0: I don't know, man. You queued it up. I did. I know exactly the timing I have to do.
1: Okay, so Aaron Burr, he is he's a Republican, right? And he and Jefferson get along really well. And the thought is, well, of course Jefferson's going to win because Adams is not popular. And Aaron Burr is going to be totally supportive of this. He is going to become the vice president. And T.J. and Burr are going to just rock the Democratic-Republican world. And everyone in America is going to love them. That doesn't happen. No, no, not at all. There's a tie. Why is there a tie? There just is. And we talk about that.
0: There's like 15 episodes where we talk about this tie that happens. So you can go back and listen to any of them. We're not going to tell you which one, so you'll listen to a lot of them. But all that to say, uh, they call upon Hamilton. It's like, hey, Hamilton, you've been hiding in a closet for however long... Why don't you just go ahead and say who you would vote for? And Hamilton's like, you know what? Jefferson, uh, I don't like him, but I like him more than Burr. So why don't you just vote for him? Yeah. And um, they they do. They vote yeah. for Jefferson. Jefferson becomes the president. Burr becomes the vice president. And Jefferson hates
1: Burr's guts forever. Yeah. Everybody hates everybody's guts at this point. It's true. But, but at least... Uh... You know, he had Hamilton on his side. <laughs> so Jefferson is sworn in by, of course, a federalist, <laughs> the Chief Justice John Marshall, at the new Capitol because Adams was like, hey, I'm going to move into the White House and be there for a couple of months. <laughs> and TJ becomes the first president who is inaugurated in Washington, D.C. And get this, Ben, you know, you're going to wear a tux and you're going to look pretty sharp, right? For your inauguration. Well, of course, Uh, Jefferson's like, "Hmm, I'm going to come in. I'm going to be on a horseback and I'm going to dress in plain clothes. And I'm going to park the horse over at the stable. (laughs) And I'm going to give this awesome speech about being unified because, Hey, why not? After a bitter, presidential campaign where everybody hates each other, you can't stand your vice president even, why not? Why not talk about unity?
0: Oh, of course. I mean, he says, we have been called by different names, brethren, of the same principle. We are all Republicans. We are all Federalists, which kind of reminds me of JFK's speech when he said, we are all Berliners. And, you know, it it didn't really go over as well as he thought. But anyway, uh, Jefferson talks about equal and exact justice to all men while he has slaves. Uh, He talks about minority rights and freedom of religion, uh, freedom of speech. He talks about freedom of the press, which, surprise, he, you know, wrote the Declaration, I mean, the Constitution. So, of course, he would have these things
1: on his mind. Yeah. And he goes in and... Actually, practices what he preaches because he nominates all kinds of moderates to his cabinet. You got Madison, who's the Secretary of State. You got Dearborn, he's the Secretary of War. Levi Lincoln. I feel like I'm reading the credits to a movie or something, but yeah, why, why not? Yeah, Levi Lincoln is the AG, the Attorney General, and Robert Smith is the Secretary of the Navy. And you know, you got political candidates, and they're like, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that." Well, guess what? Thomas Jefferson. He does this. He says, we are deeply in debt, and that's not cool. And what Hamilton did to us was not good. You're not supposed to have debt, so stop it. So he does all kinds of cost-cutting measures, including shrinking the Navy and eliminating different excise taxes and uh, whiskey being one of those, Ben. And yeah, he lowers the national debt. By the time it's all said and done, the national debt was $83 million. By the time he's finished, it's only $57 million. Yeah.
0: And it, it's kind of funny because the way that
1: we'll see throughout history,
0: of course, that you get somebody who raises taxes, somebody who lowers taxes, somebody who raises taxes, somebody who raises them further, somebody who lowers them down even more. It's kind of like, it reminds me of when the, uh, This is going to be a deep cut here, but when the Pink Panther and the guy who chases around the Pink Panther, when they're like painting the same post over and over again, and they just keep painting it different colors, and it's just back and forth and back and forth. That's really what it becomes. But anyway, Jefferson was the first guy to really um, reverse any measures that had been done previously, at least as far as our new government's concerned.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy because happens over yeah. and over and over again Huh?
0: and it probably won't ever stop but again that just reveals my dissatisfaction with
1: our current political system <laughs> well thanks tj because you had a role in all of what's going on now that's right but if it wasn't tj it would have been somebody else hey you want to talk about the louisiana purchase I think that's
0: probably a good idea. So Spain is like, hey, we're good. We don't need the Louisiana territory here in the year 1800. And France, you have at it. So Jefferson's like, okay, crap. Napoleon is a powerhouse. He cares about nothing besides expanding his own territory. And um, in case you guys didn't know, the Louisiana Territory and the Mississippi River is like really integral to the colonies or the United States as we now know them.
1: Yeah. And so TJ's like, hey, we need to send James Monroe and Robert R. Livingston to Europe, ship them over there and negotiate with Napoleon. Because, hey, we want New Orleans. So TJ's like, see you guys. Here's $10 million and uh, buy us us some New Orleans. We want to have Mardi Gras this year. Yeah. And Monroe and Livingston, they go over. And Napoleon's like, hey guys, I got this pretty sweet deal for you. Listen. $5 million more. So all I'm asking for is $15 million. And... I'm going to hook you up with some sweet territory. And that's exactly what happens. They go ahead. TJ isn't in the room or anything like that, but they're like, he'll go for it. So they purchase the Louisiana Purchase, which is 827,987 square miles of Pure America.
0: You know what's crazy to me, Jason, and this is a total digression from the topic at hand. Can you imagine at the time Thomas Jefferson sitting in a room thinking, you know, in like, I don't know, 200 years, there's probably going to be people hanging out in the street with like lots of alcohol and and beads and stuff and just having a good time. So we might as well spend $15 million now, like no, that didn't happen. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say other than that it's crazy to me that people, uh, like it's it's crazy that we can forget the types of scenarios that presented themselves in order to us for us to have the very land and privileges that we have. Okay, again, sappy Americana moment here. But um, when you think about how we got to be the way we are now as compared
1: to the way we are now, It's insane. Man, that is kind of sappy, but true. And I agree. (laughs) So last week, or last episode, I gave kudos, or I told people in Ohio and Indiana, and I should have included Michigan and um, maybe a little bit of Illinois in there. Hey, if you are from Montana or one of the Dakotas or Nebraska, you know, maybe some of Wyoming, you got TJ to thank. Or at least TJ's guys.
0: Right. Because he sent these guys over with one deal in mind. They came back with another deal that happened, as Jason said, because, of course, it would have taken way too long to actually go through with everything. And everybody's like, wait, wait a minute. We didn't know this was going to happen. I mean, it's it's over two months or nearly. Yeah. Over two months until uh, America United States of America and Thomas Jefferson actually know about the deal that's been made. And it's probably the greatest steal of all mankind because it's literally a third of the United States bought for $15 million.
1: Yeah. And what makes this especially crazy is, okay, TJ wants New Orleans, and that's great. And he wants some other smaller territories, but think about it. TJ is not about having a large federal government. He's very much states' rights and power of the individual and things like that. The federal government shouldn't be very big. But what he has done here is significantly increased the territory of the United States. You've got all of these new people who, oh, hey, guess what? You're now with us. You are now... An American, uh, are you going to assimilate into... You're welcome! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it, it kind of is a little bit of a dilemma of, am I going to be consistent with what I've been preaching this whole time? But you got to admit, I mean, $15 million, that's a pretty sweet deal.
0: Another sidetrack, but can you think about the people who lived in the Louisiana Territory who were not Planning to be Americans, who I wonder how long it took them to find out that, oh, I am on enemy or at least foreign territory right now. I mean, it was probably years before many people knew that, hey, I live on territory that has just been purchased 10 years ago.
1: Yeah. It would have been quite a shock. Sometimes I wonder if some of the people in the Louisiana purchase territory even care.
0: Right, yeah. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I think that this is a really good scenario for an alternate history episode, which we will likely not ever do. But if we ever were to do one, it would be like, what if someone else bought the Louisiana Territory
1: out from underneath Thomas Jefferson? I think that'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be really crazy. Because there's, I mean, my goodness, how many different scenarios could you work up out of that? Yeah. So... Lewis and Clark. You want to talk about them a little bit? I think
0: so, because they're like the... uh, That's Superman, his girlfriend, right?
1: Uh, No. Oh. Okay. Although, if your name was Meriwether, people might think that. (laughs) Sorry to all the Meriwethers out there, but yeah, Jefferson was all about getting different artifacts from out west and finding out, well, hey, what's out there? And is there a quicker way to see the Pacific Ocean and all that? So Jefferson appoints Meriwether Lewis and William Clark and their core of discovery to take an expedition to go across the continent. And it's pretty crazy. If you haven't read anything about Lewis and Clark, you need to. The expedition lasts from May of 1804 to September of 1806. Can you imagine what that would have been like?
0: It's a long trip. And in the meantime, they saw a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, they were almost killed multiple times. They almost died multiple times. They had to kill multiple times. And really, they're just trying
1: to draw maps the whole time they're gone. <laughs> right. It's fascinating to think. And there's a lot more that we could get into about... Jefferson's love of language and the different cultures that exist and just all of the different thoughts, especially being influenced by um, people who were uh, in that enlightened or who were, I don't even know how to say it, members of the enlightenment that Jefferson was influenced so heavily by that, that he wanted to know how language worked with these different uh, Native American tribes throughout the continent. It's fascinating. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: So briefly, I want to talk about the fact that Thomas Jefferson was like pro-Native American or American Indians, if you prefer. Uh, He was very much assimilation-minded. If people wanted to become Americans, he would allow them to do so through his civilization program. Uh, Needless to say, they already had their own civilization, um, but he was at least, I think, probably had good intentions in the process. So um, he would uh, allow them to make federal purchases with credit and, you know, hold their lands for collateral, which, of course, they never were able to reclaim their land. But um, it's unknown whether or not Jefferson's intentions were good or bad. Uh, Needless to say, he thought it was best for them to become assimilated into the culture.
1: Yeah. And for those of you who do care, he did see native Americans as being fully intelligent, like Europeans. And, um, yeah. Right. So 1804, it's time to run again for president. And, uh, yeah, Aaron Burr, you're a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah aaron Burr, you are not running again
0: with me i'm going to pick george clinton of parliament of course uh don't don't listen to me if you thought i met english parliament um but the, the federalist party <laughs> runs against them and uh they run charles pinckney of south carolina and john adams is kind of sitting back looking at everybody like hm. What are they doing out here without me? Uh because he was <laughs> he was the presidential candidate when Charles Pinckney was the vice presidential candidate in the eighteen hundred election. And Charles Pinckney is the reason
1: that Jefferson and
0: Burr are now president and vice president.
1: Yeah. So what you need to know is Jefferson I mean, he just cleans house. Right. Yeah. And uh sure, Pinckney, he gets the most votes in Connecticut. That's it. Jefferson's like the man. And like any good first term president, you're going to have a little bit of trouble your second term. And that's kind of what happens because guess what? There's war going on in Europe and all this goodwill that we had going on towards Great Britain prior to Jefferson, eh, that was kind of gone. Things really began to sour. And, oh, by the way, things with France, eh, they're not going too well either.
0: Yeah. So during the wars, the uh, the states actually abolish international slave trade. And then South Carolina's like, nope, we're going to go ahead and let that happen. And Jefferson basically says, these are violations upon human rights. Um, don't do the international slave trade thing. We shouldn't do that. Please, Congress, would you please, please, please criminalize it? Now, of course, we want all the slaves we already have. We just don't think anybody should import them anymore. And so, of course, you see, again, a digression from the fact that he thought slavery was bad and also supported it in some way. But that's probably an entirely different matter (laughs) that we could discuss Mm -hmm. at length at another time.
1: Yeah. So what ends up happening with all of this is really it's an identity crisis because, yeah, if you're a federalist, you're getting accused of being a lot like a British person. If you're a Democratic Republican, you're being accused of being a lot like a French person. And if you're an American, you're supposed to be neutral. And TJ kind of blurred those lines, muddied the waters a little bit between all of it. And what we need to know is, uh, it was just a really rough second term, all kinds of things going on. At most, America is has kind of compromised a little bit on being a neutral country. And uh, that's going to take us, well, into a war, a pretty big war in a few years after Jefferson is out of office. So, Ben. Uh-huh. Rough second term. Do you want to talk a little bit about TJ and Adams? I mean, they had kind of a falling out.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a pretty huge rift between the two of them. Uh, they had at one time been good friends, but after the um, after the 1780s, whenever... The Federalist-Republican split happened in the 1790s. Adams is like, I can't believe Jefferson would sponsor or be behind all of these different attacks on my party and on me, for that instance. And Jefferson's like, I can't believe that Adams did this these stupid things he did and appointed these judges that shouldn't have been appointed and basically they just have so many political opinions that they fail to see that the other one is human and um after Jefferson beats or succeeds I guess you could say but definitely beats Adams as the president they don't talk
1: for about 10 years yeah it's really ugly and, of course, Jefferson succeeds Adam as president. And, um, I mean, it's just not looking like anything is going to help the relationship. But Abigail, you know, his rotundas, wife, Abigail Adams. You know, sometimes I wonder if she's more popular than he. Yeah, Kinda I think hap- it's probably true. Yeah. Happens that way, doesn't it, with the first lady? So, yeah. Abigail, she writes Jefferson Uh, after Jefferson's daughter, Polly, passes away in 1804, kind of opens up the door again. And in 1809, Benjamin Rush, we've talked about him, he's a signer of the Declaration of Independence, and he's like, you know what, these two great minds, they were such good friends, they really, they need to reconcile. And so, in 1812, Adams... He gets a little nudge from Rush, and he's like, hey, wish TJ Happy New Year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so they actually uh, start writing back and forth to each other. They become friends again, and many people have called it the most extraordinary correspondence in American history. And there's like a nearly 15-year period where they actually exchange a bunch bunch of different letters that not only bring up the... Old issues of the past, but also say, "Here's why I did what I did. I'm sorry you took it wrong, but please understand I did it because I thought it was the right thing." And they debate whether or not the revolution of the you know American uh, revolution was important to the entire world or not. And when Adams dies, he actually says, "Thomas Jefferson survives," and those were his supposed last words. And uh, it actually turns out that Thomas Jefferson had passed away just hours before,
1: and both of them actually died on July 4th. Yeah, one of the craziest days ever. And, you know, you would say, is that just irony or is that just fate or whatever? Yeah, it's kind of fascinating, you know, to the day Jefferson died, um, he was very much in mourning over his wife. He really loved her. And uh, get this, attendance um, of Jefferson's body, they found a gold locket on a chain around his neck. And uh, it was around his neck for more than 40 years. And it had a small faded blue ribbon and it had a lock of Martha's brown hair in it. Yeah. Crazy.
0: Uh, Jefferson had a lot of debt when he died. And he realized like, just like he, he was going to leave poor children. Now, you might remember last episode, I said that he inherited a lot of land from his father. But as far as a monetary, um, monetary substance, there wasn't a whole lot. So he actually had to make something of the land that he he had gained. And he did the same to his children, but with a little bit of debt. And so uh, he wasn't able to go to Washington for the celebration of the declaration. And of course uh, passed away the next day, like I said, on July 4th and you know, he's 83 years old. So he has a pretty good life in this, uh, in this instance. Um, and most people would say like, you know, you lived a long time. You did a lot of things. You were most, one of the most influential people in our country, even at that point. And yet, um, it it was on his mind that he wasn't going to be able to leave anything to his
1: heirs. And that kind of haunted him in his last few years. Yeah. Pretty crazy. You know, he's got kind of a mixed legacy. And, uh, right now seems like people like TJ, uh-huh. but, uh, his legacy has seen some dips, uh, <laughs> around the time of the civil war. He was, uh, not as popular as he was after the Civil War, just because of some of the views of states' rights and, and all of that. Of course, if you're in the North, you probably were for a unified, powerful union. Um, but I thought this quote was kind of interesting. Uh, Woodrow Wilson described Jefferson as a, quote, great man, but not a great American. Well, wow. mm-hmm. who, who would have thought that?
0: So Jefferson, yeah, he's a great man. He was a great American. He had some conflicting views. I think it would be unfair to say that not all of us do, as we know that it's impossible to see past our own faults sometimes, but or to see our own faults sometimes, but... Uh, we can definitely say thank you for all the good things that he did. We can say we have learned or hope to learn from all the negativity that he may have brought about. And uh, it's certainly interesting to think about the impact his life has had upon all of us from the fact that some of you may live in the States that were purchased as part of the Louisiana purchase. Um, Had you not been, Uh, Had he not been able to do the things he did, you might be a French citizen or something along those lines now. Um, Or, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Both of those things are very much
1: Thomas Jefferson through and through. We might be speaking English today if it wasn't for Thomas Jefferson. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. We mentioned Aaron Burr in this episode. And hey, I think we mentioned Alexander Hamilton as well. We did. So so you need to head over to electioncollege.com slash letters and download your audiobook by us. Yeah.
0: If you can't remember the link, it is in the show notes and on our social media channels as well. It would be an awesome privilege for us for you to enjoy what we have created. Uh, We took the letters of Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr and brought them to life to the best of our ability. We hope for more audiobooks to come in the future. So if you have ideas, you can let us know. We're already working on a few uh, in the future as well. But for now, electioncollege.com slash letters. Pick that up for free if you've never signed up for Audible. And you can cancel it if you want even after that. Or uh, if you already have an Audible account, it's less
1: than $4. So it'll be well worth your time and money. And we are most appreciative of all of you who have left a rating and a review on iTunes. If you have not done so already, please do that. It's only going to take you about 90 seconds. You go to electioncollege.com slash review And that will take you to the place that you need to go. And I promise that we do a little happy dance every time a good review comes in.
0: We actually were together last week and we got a couple reviews that came in and we high-fived every time. And then I think
1: we even toasted over a drink. So uh, we're not kidding. We seriously enjoy it. Yep. And of course, you can interact with us over on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Election College. We will see you next time, and thank you very much for
0: listening.